So the first reading is uh, Luke chapter 3, starting at verse 21. When all the people were being baptised, Jesus was baptised too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Now Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. He was the son, so it was thought, of Joseph, the son of Heli, the son of Mattat, the son of Levi, the son of Melchi, the son of Janai, the son of Joseph, the son of Mattathias, the son of Amos, the son of Nahum, the son of Esli, the son of Nagai, the son of Maath, the son of Mattathias, the son of Semyon, the son of Josek, the son of Jodah, the son of Joanan, the son of Risa, the son of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, the son of Neri, the son of Melchi, the son of Adai, the son of Kosam, the son of Elmadam, the son of Ur, the son of Joshua, the son of Eleazar, the son of Jorim, the son of Mahat, the son of Levi, the son of Simeon, the son of Judah, the son of Joseph, the son of Jonam, the son of Eliakim, the son of Amelia, the son of Mena, the son of Mattatha, the son of Nathan, the son of David, the son of Jesse, the son of Obed, the son of Boaz, the son of Salmon, the son of Nashon, the son of Aminadab, the son of Ram, the son of Hezron, the son of Perez, the son of Judah, the son of Jacob, the son of Isaac, the son of Abraham, the son of Terah, the son of Nahor, the son of Serob, the son of Reu, the son of Peleg, the son of Eber, the son of Shelah, the son of Canaan, the son of Arphaxad, the son of Shem, the son of Noah, the son of Lamech, the son of Methuselah, the son of Enoch, the son of Jared, the son of Mahalel, the son of Kenan, the son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. <laughs> the second reading follows on and Luke chapter 4. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert, where he, for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live by bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world and he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendour for it has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. So if you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, 
He will command the, his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, It says, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all his tempting, he left him until an opportune time. How confident are you about Jesus? We know things about Jesus. We know that he's real. We know that he's good. Many of us know that he is the Son of God, God's King. But how confident are we, how certain are we that this is true? You see, Luke writes his gospel, he tells us in the first few verses, so that we might know the certainty of the things that we already know. His purpose is that we would be confident put our confidence in this Jesus. So I want you to see tonight that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is the Son of God for everyone, that he's the Son of God for everyone who deals with sin. I want you to see it, and I want you to be confident. So far in Luke, there's been a really big build-up about Jesus. Uh, so there's these two sons that are promised and then born. There's John the Baptist and there's Jesus. And there's all these announcements from the, uh, the angels. And last week you saw from Simeon and Anna. And then there's John the Baptist in the desert saying he's preparing the way for the Lord and there's one coming after him who is the Christ. It's a big build-up. And then there's a big Entrance, verse 21. When all the people were being baptised, Jesus was baptised too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove and a voice came from heaven, You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. In one sense, it's a very ordinary entrance. Luke doesn't describe the scene. He doesn't talk about what the Jordan River looks like. I've seen it. It's ordinary. It's small. It looks makes the Hawkesbury look like a, a travel guide. It's not worth describing. And Jesus, do you notice, is just one of the crowd. When all the people were being baptised, Jesus was baptised too. There might have been 50, there might have been 100 other people baptised that day. It's not the scene, it's what's said. As he was praying, heaven was opened, the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove, and a voice came from heaven. You are my son. They're familiar words, aren't they? But what do they mean? We think immediately it means that God's the Father and Jesus is God's the Son. But that's not what the hearers would have thought. They knew it was a quote, as you see there on your outline, from Psalm 2. I'll proclaim the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I've become your father. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. A promise that there's a king coming, the king of Israel, who will be like the son of God and will rule all the nations. They've been waiting for this king for centuries. They've been duds all the way along. And finally, God says, this is the guy. Not just that, but you see what he says there? 
with you I am well pleased. It's not just that God is saying, you look good to me. It's a quote from Isaiah 42, that God's going to send a servant who will suffer and pay for sin. Here is the big announcement. This is my king who will pay for sin. About a month ago now, Daniel and I knew that something was up. Uh, Our son had got up too early. It was before nine. And he was dressed better than usual. He was spending the day with his longtime girlfriend. And they were going to see Shakespeare. That was weird. Then they were going to Watson's Bay, her favourite spot. Daniel and I looked at each other, thinking perhaps something was up. Sure enough, that afternoon when I was out, he rang and spoke to my wife and uh, couldn't help himself and told her the big announcement. But she didn't tell me, and so I come home. The phone rings, I answer it. He says, can you put me on speakerphone, Dad, and gather all the family? And he made the big announcement that he and Megan were engaged. It was a big announcement, but nothing near as big as this. You are my son, the long-awaited king and the servant who'll deal with sin. And the thing I want you to notice is who says it. A voice came from heaven. There are many opinions about Jesus, aren't there? That he didn't exist. That he did exist, but he's just a good man. That he was a prophet from God. There are many opinions about Jesus. And why should I choose one opinion over another? What you see in this passage here, God has an opinion. And he makes his opinion known. And hundreds of people heard it that day. You are my son, my king that they've all been waiting for. With you I am well pleased. I think all of us know the Bible teaches that Jesus is the son of God, God's king, the Christ. Maybe you believe that. Are you certain about it? Are you confident about it? When other people have other opinions... You do wonder, don't you, why should my opinion be right? How can I be sure that I've got it right? Well, you can't. Unless, of course, God has given his opinion. And that's exactly what he does here. Be confident that Jesus is the Son of God, God's King. Well, after this big build-up and this big entrance... Luke, you would expect, would plunge into the action. The Son of God comes on stage and he's about to strut his stuff. Instead, Luke commits authorial suicide and goes for a genealogy. Now, Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. Oh, that's a nice little detail. He was the Son of God, so it was thought of Joseph the son of Heli, the son of Matat, the son of Levi, the son of Melchi, the son of Janai, the son of Joseph. Why does Luke do this? It wasn't so that Dave can get a clap at the end of his Bible reading, was it? Why would you do this after such a big build-up, a big entrance, and go for a genealogy? 
Jesus is the Son of God. But what do you need to know next? Luke wants us to know that he's the Son of God for all mankind. This last week we've been up at uh, Katoomba, my family and I, at the summer school with the Church Missionary Society. There were, we were praying for a different continent each day. There were missionaries from each continent. We learned about people who worship other gods, people who worship their ancestors. And again and again we prayed that there'd be a world that knows Jesus. Why should we pray that? Why should we think that Jesus is the right one for every person? Well, so far, if you've been reading through Luke, you'd know that it's, it's a very parochial news so far. All the places are Jewish. All the people are Jewish. Even when God speaks, he quotes from the Jewish scriptures. And as you read through the family tree, the genealogy, it's more of the same. All the names are Jewish. Yes, you recognize some of them and think that they're English, like David, but it actually comes from Judaism. Everything's Jewish. Levi, Joseph, Amos. You get to David and Abraham. What is Luke doing? The genealogy is going backwards. You notice that? That's weird. Backwards in time so that your attention is on the end. Where is Luke going to stop? Surely at David, you think. King David. Surely at Abraham, the start of the Jewish nation. No. He keeps on going. It's like the Bible in rewind, going through the great events of the Bible. You go Jacob and Isaac and Abraham, and he keeps going back to Noah, Seth, and Adam. Adam, the son of God. What is his point, do you think? What is he saying about Jesus and who Jesus is the Son of God for? He's the Son of God for everyone, for all of mankind, not just for the Jews. Acts 17, from one man, God made every nation on earth. No matter what nation you are from, where you were born, you are a son of Adam, which means you're supposed to rule under God, but you've rebelled and you need a saviour. And there is a saviour, this son of God. The baptism says he's the king of Israel. The genealogy says he's the king of Israel for all mankind. Do you believe that? There are seven billion people in the world. Do you believe that Jesus is the son of God, the saviour for every one of them? All the billions of people in the past who are now dead... Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God for every one of them? Red, yellow, black and white, Jewish, Jehovah's Witness, Muslim, Buddhist, in Jordan or in the Philippines? Maybe you're okay without there. Those people need Jesus. But what about the people of Currajong and North Richmond, these self-made, nice-living, family-values people that you meet each day? Do they really need Jesus the Son of God. On Christmas Day here, you might have been here, we had a whole group of Indians come to join us. And I was delighted to see that we welcomed people for that one day. Will we be delighted when they move in to Currajong? Will we be keen to share Jesus with Indian people when they move to Currajong? Are we confident that Jesus is the Son of God 
for all people. Well, Luke wants us to be confident about Jesus, that he's the Son of God, that he's the Son of God for all mankind, and also that he can really deal with sin. Thank goodness Luke has run out of genealogy and he gets back to the action, chapter 4. Jesus is full of the Spirit. The Spirit leads him into the desert to be tempted. And this is a great story, isn't it? There's action, but more importantly, Jesus, our guy, one of mankind we've just seen, wins. He's joined our team at the baptism. He's tempted like us, and he does not sin. That's part of what Luke's telling us here, isn't it? He gets hungry because he's a human being. He's 40 days in the desert, just like Israel, God's people, were 40 years in the desert. But more fundamentally, he's tempted like us. His temptation is the same. I only just noticed that this week. Uh, He hears two voices in this part of God's word. God's voice and the devil's voice. You are my son, if you are the son of God. Jesus hears two voices and the temptation is, the question is, whose voice will he trust? Now does that sound familiar? Adam and Eve. God's voice, the devil's voice. And whose voice did they trust? It's familiar too because that's our temptation. That's what temptation is, whether it's about how you live sexually or how you relate to people with patience or impatience, whether you're violent or peaceful, whether you're just plain selfish. What is the real issue in temptation? It's whose voice will I listen to? God's voice or the devil's voice as he speaks through my sinful nature and the world? Temptation is a choice. Which voice will I listen to? And Jesus chooses God's voice. Are you confident about Jesus? You know this, don't you? That he was tempted but did not sin. But when we're tempted, do we really think that he really understands and can help? I mean, think about it for a moment. Jesus was never tempted by pornography, let alone internet pornography. He was never tempted by the busyness of this world with its crazy busyness. He was never tempted by atheism. He was never tempted by the secular pressure of Australia. He didn't experience that. But that's not the heart of temptation, is it? Temptation is God's voice or the devil's voice. And it was never clearer, it was never stronger than it was for Jesus. For he kept on saying no. And when you keep on saying no, you understand how hard it is. You believe, I think, that Jesus was tempted but did not sin. But are you confident that he really understands? Do you see that passage there that's on the outline? We have a high priest who's able to sympathize with our weaknesses, who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Are you really confident that you can come to Jesus when you are tempted and he will give you the mercy and the grace that you need?
But finally, is Jesus really tempted like us? They are strange temptations in this passage. Did you notice that? Verse 3, if you're the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Have you ever been tempted like that? To turn a stone into bread? No. Verse 9, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down from the highest point of the temple. Of course you haven't been tempted like that. Have you ever been tempted by the devil offered all the authority and splendor of all the kingdoms of the world? Of course not. These are peculiar temptations. Yes, it's God's voice versus devil's voice, but he's tempting in a particular way for whom? The Son of God. Jesus is tempted as a human being, but he is especially tempted as the Son of God as to whether he's going to obey God and worship him or worship the devil. He is the servant who must suffer and will he choose to suffer or simply worship the devil and get the kingdoms of the world the easy way? Thank goodness he's tempted as the son of God and he chooses to be faithful for he is a human being who's tempted but he's also the son of God who came to rescue us. Here is the battle where he chooses to defeat the devil, which guarantees that he will win the war for us. Last night we went to the Sydney International Tennis and I was excited to learn. I knew nothing about who was playing. I checked it on the internet the day before we went. There was some woman called Ash Barty who I'd never heard of before but the crucial three letters were in brackets after her name A-U-S she's from Australia and I immediately thought I'm going for her she is going to win for me against that evil Czechoslovakian woman and when she wins I will win and she gave a good battle. She won the first set, three sets, and it was very close and a nail-biting match. But isn't that stupid, don't you think? That if she wins, I win. I've never met her, never known anything about her, and I've never been to the town that she is from. But somehow I thought that if she won, I would win. Jesus is actually on our team. He's a human being, part of all mankind. And he was tempted like we are. More than that, he's the captain of our team, the Son of God sent to defeat our enemy. It wasn't a tennis game, something that doesn't even matter. It was the battle against sin. And do you know that if Ash did win last night, and I then rung her up and said, look, Ash, I saw you, that backhand you had. I've always struggled with my backhand. I was wondering if you could give me some pointers. Help me in my time of need to improve my backhand. Do you know what she'd say? Who are you? And get lost, I imagine. But is Jesus like that? No. He now understands our temptation, cares about it, and is able to help us in our time of need. So if I was excited last night at the prospect of an Australian winning, don't you reckon we should be excited about having 
a saviour who can help us with our temptation and who has defeated sin for us? Luke wants us to be confident. Confident that Jesus really is the Son of God, that he's really the Son of God for everyone and the Son of God who's defeated sin for everyone. Are you confident about Jesus? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that Jesus really is the Son of God. You didn't leave us guessing. Heaven opened. You spoke. And it's your opinion that matters. Help us to be confident when other people have other opinions. And Father, help us to be confident that it really is the Son of God who dealt with sin for everyone, no matter who they are. And so, Father, help us to want to share him with other people. And Father, we pray that when we are tempted, help us to see that it's a choice between your voice and the devil's voice, that Jesus understands that. Help us to come to the throne of grace that we might find mercy and grace in our time of need. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.